Welcome. Thank you for joining us for this episode from Avondale Baptist Church. We are so happy to be sharing the Word of God with you and hope that this message is a blessing to you. And now, here's Brother Richard. We are in a battle. We are in a spiritual battle where lives are being lost. People are losing this battle. Children are losing. Men are losing. Women are losing in this battle of warfare, the spiritual warfare that we have been discussing in the last couple of weeks. And and I hope you see that. I hope you know that the enemy doesn't care about you at all. The enemy wants to kill and destroy you. He wants to ruin your life. Like, do we really comprehend the battle that we're, we are really in? We're going to continue our series of the armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6. And I know it's Palm Sunday, and, and I'm going to kind of give you a summary of what is Palm Sunday, because I got caught up in in my series and in this battle that, wow, Palm Sunday is already here and it's this Sunday. But it, God is good because he's going to bring it all together where we can still stay on track on our series because I do not want to stray away from our series. So before we get started... Let's just pray. Father God, I just pray that you would just be with me this morning, Father. Father, I just want people to know how important we, how much we need, how important it is, and we need Jesus in our lives. And Father, I do not stand here in front of your people. I don't take this position lightly. And Father God, I just pray that you would just be with me, Father. As there's people dying, people who we love, our friends, family. And Father, I pray that we would just get away of our selfishness and just come to you this morning. You are so good. Your love and your grace and you have so much mercy. You continue to show us mercy after mercy after mercy, Father. We don't deserve any of that. And so, Father, I pray that you would give me the words to speak this morning. I pray that something... People's hearts will be stirred this morning. That a revival will happen in their hearts. A a flame will be ignited in their hearts to actually be the church. Oh, Father God, we are so thankful that you use us. You use us as vessels. 
So, Father, I pray that we would just stay focused on what you have for us this morning. Clear us from any distractions. Protect us from any distractions. Let us be here right now with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Palm Sunday. It's a powerful and an important event that has happened. And churches all around the world celebrate today Palm Sunday. Some of you that are, are new to the faith or, or maybe not believers at all and you don't know exactly what Palm Sunday is, I just really want to kind of just do a, a, a recap of what it is. It's, it's an event, a very important event in the New Testament, where Jesus is entering Jerusalem and he's being greeted by people waving palm branches and yelling, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, because they see a king. See, for Christians, it is a reminder of welcoming Jesus into our hearts and our willingness to follow him. It's a reminder. It's a reminder that we follow King Jesus. On his way to Jerusalem, and it had, this account is in all the Gospels. And on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus sent two disciples ahead to the village, and he told them to go pick a donkey. Go get a donkey. He says, look for a donkey that is tied up. Now, this donkey, it's a whole other sermon right here, but we're going to stay focused. He says it's tied by a house and with its unbroken coat next to it. And Jesus instructed the disciples to tell the owners of the animal that the Lord has a need of it. Now, the Lord needs things. The Lord needs, the Lord don't know, he doesn't need anything. But he has a need of it. Because there's a purpose for this donkey. There's a purpose. See, God don't need us. Oh, man, God don't need us. But he uses us. He uses us for the gospel. The men found the donkey, brought it in its coat to Jesus, and placed their cloaks On the coat, Jesus sat on the young donkey and slowly, humbly made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And in his path, people threw their cloaks, their their garments. They threw it down on the road and they put palm branches on the road before him. And then others was waving those branches. Large Passover crowds surrounded Jesus and shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. They're praising King Jesus. Like this is the man. This is our savior. He's the one that's going to make things different around here. Though the the Roman Empire, they got it coming now because we have our king and he's going to change things up. By that time, the commotion has spread out throughout Jerusalem, the entire city, and many of the Galilean disciples had 
earlier seen how Jesus was doing all these amazing things. And so they were just astonished. This is the man. See, the people of that city did not fully understand Christ's mission yet. But they were worshiping him and they were honoring him. They were honoring God. And then he goes on. And and they ask in Matthew 21, 16, do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him, yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read from the lips of children and infants your Lord have called forth your praise? They were praising him. The Pharisees who were jealous of Jesus and afraid of the Romans said, Teacher, rebuke your disciples, he answered. He says, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. And I'm going to tell you right now, church, there's a lot of stones, there's a lot of rocks that are making a whole lot more noise than what we are. There's a lot of stones making a whole lot more noise than what we are doing. See, the people of Jerusalem saw Jesus as an earthly king. They had their earthly mindset. A king who would defeat the oppressive Roman Empire. See, their vision of him was limited They were limited. They were thinking of earthly things, worldly needs. But they failed to understand that Jesus had come for a much greater victory. A spiritual victory. Spiritual freedom. An enemy whose defeat would have an impact far beyond the boundaries of his life. The enemy has been defeated. And see, I just love how the people, the followers, they were on that train praising Jesus. But what's sad is Come Good Friday, that we all celebrate also those same people who was praising him, those same people that was saying Hosanna, Hosanna, are the same people days later are telling them, crucify, crucify him. What? What changed? In those days, what changed their belief? What changed their, their emotions? Their, why they, get, they go from praising him to crucifying him within a matter of days after they saw all the great things that he has done. Why? It blows my mind. It's so easy for us to sit there and say, oh, if I was there walking with Jesus and I saw all that, that wouldn't happen to me, right? Oh, I won't deny you, Christ, right? Oh, Richard, you'll deny me three times before the rooster crows, right? No, right? It's so easy for us to sit there. 
So easy for us to say, oh, we won't, I wouldn't be that way. But we are. And God, God showed me. God told me, showed me how I am, how easily I forget, how easily it is to be distracted. So I'm going to ask you, church. What is it that you've been distracted of that's keeping your focus off of Christ? So I'm going to ask you this, because this is how we're tying in with this sermon. How's your mind? How's your thinking? How's your mind? See, somewhere in their mind, they thought, they knew that this was the king. And then somewhere, their thinking started changing. Their mind started changing. Because let's be honest, that's, what, that's where it begins, right? In our mind. It begins with us thinking about things. You know, am I really saved? Am I really a follower of Jesus? And is Jesus really real? Is, is the Bible even real? Is my friendships really real? Does my wife really love me? Does my husband really love me? Man, Jesus, if 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 why am I not healed? Why am I, if Jesus really is real and, and he talks about how we get back on track with our finances, I, why, why, I'm trying, but not our finances. God, if you're really real, why am I still sinning? I must not be, I must not be following Christ. I must, I must not be saved. Or you know what? God forgives me, so I might as well go live like a life of hell because he'll forgive me, right? So I could go and party on Friday and Saturday and come to church Sunday and be forgiven. I'm good, right? It's okay. Right? It's all right. See, I know all this because that's exactly how my mind thinks. That's exactly how my mind is. That's how I used to think. You know, I used to think like that. Our mind is very important. Our brain is very and I think what happened was the people of Jerusalem got caught up they got caught up because what's interesting here church what's interesting interesting here is that when Jesus went into Jerusalem do you know where he went next he went to the temple He went to the temple and he flipped tables. He went to the church. And let me tell you something. Me and Todd were down here praying this morning and praying for the service and praying for you, praying for your hearts and your minds. And I asked Todd, what would Jesus be pleased if right now, as we speak, he walks in through that door? 
Would he be pleased by the way we are doing church? Would he be pleased by the way we are being the church? Would he be pleased with your heart? Would he? That's scary to think. Just a few hours ago, we were out there on Broadway because Jesus came in, maybe not on a donkey. He probably came in on an old car or something. I don't know what kind of old car is an old car, but something that's not cool, right? Because they thought he was going to be on a big white horse and just being all strong and maybe Jesus coming in a Volkswagen Beetle. I don't know, but if you drive a Volkswagen Beetle, it's okay. I'm not saying. But King Jesus is here. He's finally here. Oh, we're going to get ready. We're going to go to church. We're going to worship. We're going to do all this and all that. And we come to church and and we're taking care of business. And he comes in. And what are y'all doing? What are y'all doing, Richard? What are you doing? We're, We're having church. Reverend Church, Jesus? Oh, man. Are you having church? Or are you just playing church? Ooh, he says, because I know your heart. I know what you're, you've been thinking. So you've been here worshiping and you're falling asleep, or you're here worshiping, but your mind is somewhere else. You're thinking about the music, or you're thinking about the sermon, or you're thinking about what you need to eat for lunch, or you're thinking about this, or you're thinking about that. You're thinking... Your your focus ain't on me. See, church, I want you to understand, Jesus is real. This is not a game, and he loves every single one of you, and he loves all of us. And when we really know that and we figure that out and when we have encounters, when we have that Jerusalem moment when Jesus comes into our lives because you realize that he is all that you ever needed and that he will comfort you. And he's, gives you one, he's the one that gives you peace, that he's the, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And when you start allowing him to work in your life and we can praise him and we can worship him. Every single day. One of the things that Todd prayed about this morning is that we would have a Damascus moment. You know, the road to Damascus where, where Saul, who, was, who became Paul, and he was the writer of the 13 letters of the New Testament, that Saul was literally on his way killing Christians. He was on his way to kill Christians, and he had a and an encounter with Jesus. And from that day forward, he has been changed. Ah, yes. And Todd was praying for the church that every single one of us will have a Damascus experience. And that's what we need. We need an encounter with Christ. So, how does this tie up to our sermon of Ephesians 17 where Paul tells us that we have to take up the helmet of salvation. This hope of salvation, this helmet of 
salvation is an expression that refers to a confident expectation of God's saving work. Let me, let me, let me repeat that. This expression refers to a confident expectation of God's saving work. If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ and you never took that step of faith of receiving Christ as your Lord and Savior, this message is not for you. Paul was writing this to the Ephesians, and these were believers. He's telling the believers. Why is he telling the believers about the helmet of salvation? Because believers struggle with their salvation. The enemy comes and he goes into our mind. We allow that stinking thinking like I've been talking about before. Are you really saved, Richard? And I know that there's a lot of us here that struggle with that. But see, when Christ died, he died once and for all. When you have that encounter with him and that experience with him, you absolutely know 100% without a doubt that he is real and what has happened is real and what God's word says is real and he keeps his promises. When you believe that and you know it's real and he doesn't break his promises and that three days later he rose from the dead again and he, he rose from the dead Not again, but he rose from the dead and you start experiencing him. But it's so hard. It is. And teenagers, it's hard. I know. Being a teenager, being a young adult is hard. But old people, it doesn't leave you out either because it's hard. It's hard being a parent. It's hard being a grandparent. It's hard to be a a worker. It's hard to be to. It's just hard. Life is hard. But when we know and we take confidence in that expectations of God's saving work. See, this work was put into effect by Christ. And it will come to completion one day. It will come to completion. Jesus will be coming back. He will be coming back. And the way the world is, I don't, it may be sooner than what we think. And are we going to be ready? Are you going to be ready? Therefore, the, that hope, that hope of salvation reminds believers to be prepared for that day. Okay, that salvation. There's a lot of remembering, being reminded. Why? Look, he says this. This do in remembrance of me. We are supposed to be reminded constantly, every day of God's goodness. We have to be reminded of God's grace. Just like I have to remind Becky and the kids that I love them. Do I do it perfectly? No. But my ultimate goal is that I love them and that there's absolutely nothing that they can do or say to separate the love that I have for them. And I pray that they would go through life and they are reminded, man, 
my dad did this, my husband did this, he loved, he, I remember he did this, and he did that, and that's what our Heavenly Father wants us to do, church. Just re- be reminded. Being reminded of what He has done in our mind. Oh, and He constantly, constantly, constantly runs wild. That's why Paul said He adds this as one of the important pieces of the armor. We talked about a couple weeks ago about the breastplate of of righteousness is there. It's an important piece of the armor because it protects our heart. This helmet is supposed to protect our brain or another vital organ. Our brain. We have to make sure that we have that helmet because we don't, we start having doubt. We start having issues. We start having Things coming in our minds that shouldn't be there. And we're dealing with that every single day. So if you turn to page Ephesians 6, I'll start the, I'll start the, the sermon. Go ahead and start from the beginning, Stephen. Finally. Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. And this way it says, in the power of his might. See, I want you to be reminded it's not our power, it's not by our doing, it's all by his power, his might. He says, put on, Paul says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we... Do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And then he goes on and says, therefore. So do you understand, church, the battle is not between flesh and blood, right? It's not a physical battle that he's talking about it's a spiritual battle and i've told you before that every time every, whatever we're dealing with in the in the physical realm it's connected to the spiritual realm he says therefore take up the whole armor of god that you may be able to withstand in the evil day all right so that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. He didn't say it just in case you might get into some trouble. Or maybe you'll have some evil days. Or maybe you'll have some bad. No, he says that you in the evil day. When? When? Because it's going to happen. And having done all this, he says to stand. To stand firm. Go to the next one. Verse 14, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. Remember truth. The truth will set you free. We start off with the belt. The belt is what holds everything together. The belt that I'm wearing right now holds my pants up, praise God, holds my shirt in. It's the belt that puts everything together. And he says, gird it with your waist with truth. Church, this is the truth. 
Jesus is the truth. And having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And above all, above all else, you also take, take. This is something what he's telling us to do. We have to physically grab. We have to physically make sure that we're taking that shield of faith. It's our faith. See, we can't have the helmet unless we have the shield because it is faith. It is by faith, right? That we come to Christ. And so we have to have our shield to have the helmet. It's by faith which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take. Again, he says, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints, for all the believers. And he says in verse 19, and for me, that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. I don't want to get too much into that because we're still so much more that we have to learn about the armor of God. But the helmet, a helmet is very important. We I've, I've worked, on the, worked with the fire department, and, and I've seen many wrecks, and, and many lives have been lost. And, and what's crazy is that I've seen really bad motorcycle wrecks. I've seen very uh, minor motorcycle wrecks, but it ended tragically because the guy wasn't wearing a helmet. A helmet is very important. You see it in sports. Baseball, you got to wear a helmet. Football, you got to wear a helmet, right? Well, you're probably like, well, I don't play sports, and I don't drive a motorcycle, so I don't need a helmet. Well, let's, let's compare that to a seatbelt, okay? One of the first things I ask the kids, are y'all buckled in? Because I've seen minor wrecks where it ended tragically where because they weren't wearing their seatbelt. It's there to protect us. And then going back to a helmet, it's there to protect our vital organs, our brain. And because we don't want to be brain damaged. And that is what the enemy wants us to, to be. He wants us to be brain damaged when it comes to Christ. He doesn't want us to know the truth. He doesn't want us to believe in the truth. He doesn't want us to believe in Christ. He doesn't want us to experience salvation. Because he wants us to be lost. He wants us to have that stinking thinking. The warfare is real and we have to have that helmet of salvation. See, that helmet of salvation is the gift of God. It's a gift of God 
for our protection. For Christians, salvation is part of the defensive armor that is essential for our safety. It's for our safety. And it also protects us from the power of sin. It protects us from the power of sin. What does that mean? What sin are you dealing with? You don't have to tell me. But you don't have to share it. I don't want you to think you have to share it, but I want you just to think. What is it that you're struggling with in life? What is it that, that you wish that you could just get rid of, that you wish that you could just, just be broken away, be free from that? What is it? You don't have to lie. Don't try to, don't try to be fake because I'm going to tell you right now, God knows. God knows what you're dealing with. God knows what you're dealing with. See, when we don't have that helmet of salvation and we're just going to a battle without any kind of headgear, the enemy starts creeping in. You know, Romans, in Romans, it, it, Paul talks about how we are being, we are transformed. Don't be conformed to this world, right? That we are being transformed. By what? Renewing of your mind. Why? So that we could detest between good and evil. <laughs> See what I mean? There's so many scriptures about the mind. Okay? Our mind, if we start thinking rightly and we start thinking righteously, right? When we start thinking right about the, our relationship with Christ, we start thinking about the things that we do, that's thinking, thinking, it starts becoming holy thinking. We start thinking holy things, start doing holy things. We, wanna, we want to do right by God. Our mind is what tells our brain. Our brain is what tells our body. You understand? It's kind of the same thing with, with our spirit and our soul and our body. Remember, we talked about that several weeks ago. How our, when we received Christ, our spirits changed. We're a new creation, right? We're a new creation. My spirit is different now, but my body is still the same, and I still have issues with my, with my mind. But it's my spirit that changes my soul, and my soul changes my body. See, when my spirit starts talking to me, and my spirit has been changing, and I start dealing with things in the spiritual world, in a spiritual sense, then guess what? My soul changes. My soul, well, what is your soul? What is, it's your personality, right? It's that personality that, 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 that people characterizes you with. Oh, he's, Richard's so funny. He's so silly, or, you know happy or sad, whatever it is. 
and see that my spirit is going to change my soul because of the way that I see things differently. And now I want to do the right thing. Our mind is the same way, church. We have to have that helmet so we can be protected. So that we can start thinking differently. And when we start thinking differently, our brain is going to operate differently. And when our brain starts to operate th- differently, whoo, you're going to be a powerful vessel for God. You're going to be a powerful vessel for the kingdom of God. And there's some of you here this morning that God wants to use in an amazing way, in a powerful way. But right there, the God has you in your mind. I mean, the enemy has you right there at your mind. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I don't have time. I'm not educated enough. I'm not strong enough. That's lies from the enemy. I'm not beautiful enough. That's lies from the enemy. I'm not capable of doing anything because whatever it is or whatever that, whatever it is, those are all lies. God says, I love you. You are beautiful. You are made. You are a creation from God. And he wants to use every single one of you. He tells you different. See, we have to be able to stand firm when we have that armor. We have to be able to stand firm against the schemes of the enemy. We see it over and over again. We were talking about this in, in our Sunday school class. Amen. You know, it just seems like one thing after another, right? You ever, you ever feel like that? I just can't get a break. Man, it's one thing after another. And then things start going good. And then, boom, you get hit again. It's a continuous battle. It's a continuous battle 24-7. That's why we have to realize and we have to see that the enemy is real The battle is real, and the armor of God is real, and that we need it. Because if we don't, when we are praising Jesus on Sunday, and the next thing you know, we're crucifying him on on Friday. We don't want to be like that. We don't want to be like that. Constantly be reminded, constantly have the armor of God, have your helmet of salvation to protect your mind. See, our salvation is is secure because of Jesus' life. Our salvation is secure because of Jesus' death. Our salvation is secure because of Jesus' resurrection. See, in addition to his spirit, God has given us these pieces of armor to protect us and to remind us of his love, but also to remind us of our security in him. I'm going to ask Brother Gary to come up and just begin to play.
as I started off, the message was to Christians. This message was to the saints. This message was to the followers of Jesus. If you're not a follower of Jesus, this message wasn't for you. Because right now, the way I see it is that you're walking out in a battle with no kind of protection. And maybe you're struggling. Maybe you've been struggling with, with doubt. Maybe you've been struggling with, maybe you're struggling with, with uh, just um, not knowing your purpose in life. Maybe you've been struggling with a relationship. Maybe you're just, you're just struggling because you just keep struggling. And you're just wondering that there has to be more. I want to tell you now that there is more. There is more. There is more. See, the story didn't end with Jesus dying. But it just started with him being resurrected. And see, in order for a resurrection to happen, there's something that has to die in your life. And what is it that God is calling you to surrender? What is it that needs to die in your life so that he could do a resurrection in your life? So if you've never taken that step of faith where, you know, I want to know more about Jesus. I want to know about this man who you're talking about that had died on the cross and come up here to the front. Let today be the day. Let today be the day that you come and, and you have a experience, a resurrection in your life. Now you're probably wondering, well, how do I know? How do I know? Like how? Because that was one of the things. Well, have you ever received him into your heart and truly believe, just as real as I am standing in front of you, do you truly believe the story of Jesus and what he done? Do you truly believe that? Then come and receive him this morning. We're just going to have a moment of silence as Gary continues to play. If that is you, I want you to come now. Thank you, Father God, for this wonderful message. We pray that it has been a comfort and a blessing to our listeners. Thank you for taking the time to join us here at Avondale Baptist Church. Until we see you again, always remember, Jesus loves you.